Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Are you interested in angels, demons, spirits, ghosts, and monsters? Are you curious about their origins, tales, and influence upon history and on the present day? If so, sit back, relax, and welcome to Southern Demonology, the podcast that explores all of this and more. Hello. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All Welcome back to another episode of Southern Demonology, and as always, I'm your host, JJ. I know, don't be shocked, two episodes, one after another, in two weeks? I know, it's kind of a miracle for me, um, especially given my much slower, normal publishing pace, but I did try to promise some extra content for Halloween, And for the first time since I have started this podcast, I have been able to deliver on that, much to my shock. Um, So, last week, we did an episode on Uday, which took a lot of research. But this week, I have something really special. Um, I have an interview with Toki, who runs the uh, Japan Explained podcast. Not only is she just a lovely individual, but she has so much knowledge from her seven and a half years of serving as a tour guide in Japan that I could not resist bringing her on for an interview slot. And she provides so much amazing information. And my main focus was, as we had covered Yudei, or Japanese Ghosts, in the previous episode, I had promised to do a follow-up on yokai, which are commonly translated in English as specters or monsters. But there's such an amazing variety of them that you really can't classify them into one single little bucket Uh, they cover an entire gambit and more just than they're just their diversity between physical entities and and spectral entities you also have ancient and modern yokai uh, the ones that's been around for centuries and then those who have been recently introduced, such as uh, Kuche Sakaona, who is the slit mouth woman. If you have a, a good propensity for handling gore or very strange looking things, then 
I recommend you Googling Slipmouth Woman, because if you have not seen any of the admittedly pretty horrible movies that are centered around her, uh, the visuals, though, are absolutely amazing. Uh, you'll see some really interesting stuff. However, if you have a very weak stomach or you don't want to see anything that could give you some nightmares, I would recommend kind of staying away from that one. Uh, but regardless... Rather than me just drone on for another 30 minutes, I wanted to bring on someone who was intimately familiar, not only with the culture, but also with the concepts. And in addition to just talking about Yokai and some of her personal experiences, she shares some really interesting ghost stories, uh, two of them in fact. So, I please hope that you give it a good listen, uh, that you visit her site, and there are numerous plugs throughout, and in fact, I will be adding a, uh, a new section to the southerndemonology.com website for friends of the show. Uh, hers will be first and foremost, but um, I do have one more special little announcement. Um, I have already started writing the next episode, which will premiere on um, Halloween uh, 1031. But I am also being featured as a guest on the Your Worst Friend podcast, uh, where we got to do, um, you know, the two hosts there. Uh, they're a comedy duo, really funny guys. And uh, they brought me on to talk about demonology for a little bit. So you'll get to hear some amusing antidotes, some great comedy uh, intermixed with all of that. So, um, yeah, this week is just uh, turning out to be a huge bonanza for me. Uh, you know, probably won't happen again for a while. I will try my best so that it continues, but I can't really make any promises with my current schedule. However, you know, thank you, Toki, for coming on. It was such a pleasure to get to meet you and to explore just a tiny fraction of the knowledge that you have accumulated over the years. And uh, yeah, I we've already have talked about uh, you're here, but we've already talked about maybe doing a, a second uh, round where I get to uh, ask her a lot more questions so that everyone uh, can be able to benefit from her amazing knowledge. So anyway, sit back, relax, listen. Uh, I've got about 25 minutes uh, for our joint interview. And uh, yeah, I really hope you enjoy. And again, Toki, you are amazing. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Alrighty, so uh, we I am here with a very special guest today, and I'm going to let you do the uh, introduction. So if you can just give me who you are, the name of your podcast, what's it about, and how long you've been doing it. Okay, sure. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Toki, and uh, I'm a host of Japan Explained podcast. Uh, Japan Explained uh, was born because before... Uh, before I started it, I was a tour guide in Japan. I used to live there for seven and a half years, and half of that time I worked as a tour guide in Kyoto. Then, that's amazing. As, <laughs> yeah, it was actually this was a really cool job. I really loved it, and uh, it's very sad that I cannot do it anymore now. But uh, then, obviously, everybody knows Corona happened, and Japan closed its borders. They are still closed now, mm -hmm. and. I just decided I have to share my knowledge in some other way. So I started Japan Explained. 
That is fantastic. Who did you do uh, tour guides for? Uh, I did tour guiding all around Japan. I did mainly Kyoto and Kansai areas. So like Kyoto, mm-hmm. Osaka, Himeji. Actually, uh, you shared one story from Himeji Castle on your podcast when you were talking just in one of the previous episodes about Japanese ghosts. Yep. The One of the three famous ghosts of Japan, Okiku, she is from Himeji. And they still have the well. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, so what started your interest in Japan? Like, why did you actually move over there? And what, what sparked that? Uh, my education was not related to Japan whatsoever. I graduated from law school. And then I just didn't want to pursue this career. So I started thinking what I would like to do. And I had two interests. I had interest in history. And uh, by that time, when I graduated university, I got rather big interest in Japanese literature and uh, Japanese dramas. So I was thinking, what should I do? (laughs) And I had two countries to pick from. I wanted to go to England and I wanted to go to Japan, but just uh, it happened that going to Japan appeared to be way easier. So I went there and I never regretted my choice. I can't say as I blame you. Like when you were talking about his uh, dramas, are you talking uh, like no theater or kabuki or uh, more uh, literary works? Uh, more, uh, I loved Japanese literature in general, but when I'm talking about dramas, it's more the drama. <laughs> oh, okay. Gotcha. Like the, the modern TV shows and whatnot. The modern TV shows. Yes. Yeah. When I was in. In a university, I was bored a lot and I didn't like studying law, so I was just watching it's one of them. I, I'm, I feel you. Actually, during grad school, when I would come back from classes, I would l- watch a lot of anime and I just kind of fell in love with it. So, yeah, but I mean, honestly, after watching uh, what Densho Toko, it kind of changed my life. So <laughs> I completely understand what you mean. Um, so in addition to just like, general information about uh, Japan, what other particular topics have you covered in your podcast? Uh, Because I was working as tour guide, I just accumulated a huge amount of misconceptions people have about Japan. Mm -hmm. And when I started the show, it was an initial idea that every time I will take one of these misconceptions and tell what's wrong about it and what's actually happening in Japan in regard to this particular thing. So my first episode was about geisha. Mm-hmm. obviously because it's the most misunderstood part of japan i guess and then i little bit drifted from this path and now i just pick one topic that interests me at a time it can be food it can be some cultural event it can be a personality and i just do a very deep dive on that oh that's phenomenal uh, what is like out of all the topics that you've covered so far in terms of general misconceptions uh, which one's your favorite the misconceptions, I guess, it would stay geisha and plus the episode. Uh, it's actually the two-part episode I made uh, we, uh, about arriving arrival of black ships to Japan when the Commodore Perry arrived in 1853 and so-called opened Japan. I really like this period of time. The, it's called Bakumatsu in Japan. It's the mm-hmm. switch between the traditional Edo period Japan of uh, samurai and uh, shoguns 
to the modern Japan that we all know now. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. It's a very bright period of time. And what started it, at least how we know it, was the arrival of the American squadron to the shores of a small city of Uraga, right near Tokyo. Yeah, absolutely. Is it just a question? I have been told that uh, Doria is such a famous dish in Japan now and really only kind of found in Japan uh, just because one of the chefs uh, from one of those ships actually taught the recipe. Do you know if that's true or not? I don't know. I should make an episode about Doria, I guess. Yeah, I had never heard of it. And first time I ever had it in a family restaurant, uh, I was really curious and had it and loved it. And, you know, one of my friends just happened to mention this in an offhand manner. So I was just curious. But uh, going back just for a second, uh, what um, is there a particular website um, that people can find your podcast at? I want to make sure I get that out before I completely forget about it. Sure, I have a website. It's called japanexplained.com. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts. Gotcha. That is fantastic. And how long have you been doing it? I've been doing it for one and a half year now. Gotcha. I go pretty slow pace. So I just released my episode number 14. If I, 15. 15. Just released the 15th episode, but... Uh, Deep dives take time. Yeah, trust me, I completely understand. I've been, I think I started this back in 2017, and I'm only on episode 33 or 34. So <laughs> I go very slow as well. Um, okay, I, and I do have to ask do you have a favorite drama? Let me think about this one. I okay. do. We can come back to it. It's no pressure at all. I was just really curious. I really like historical shows. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you know Japan has every year this massive 50-something episode, Taiga Dorama. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love this. I actually translated one into Russian. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. How many languages do you know? Uh, well, Russian is my native language. Then I speak English and Japanese, and currently I'm learning Dutch, but with not much success. I couldn't even begin to imagine. <laughs> All of my specialties are ancient languages, and there's nobody left to speak them, so there's really no pressure anymore. <laughs> well, I knew uh, one tour guide in Japan who could speak uh, the old Russian. Oh, and Slavonic? Uh, Yes, he, he was speaking all this old Slavic language and it's you don't I don't understand much of it because the Russian language really changed since then. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was still really interesting and he could not only read and write and understand it, he could actually speak in it normally. It was really, really cool. Wow. I can I can read some old church Slavonic, but I certainly can't speak any whatsoever. I, I don't think dang. I can even read it. Uh, it's been a while for me, but yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. We got to study some inscriptions back in school, and I really did like it. Um, okay, so I have to ask. So most of my 
you know, most of my podcast revolves around angelology, demonology, and Second Temple Judaism, uh, but we do branch out a lot into modern paranormal activities. Um, have you ever had a paranormal experience, whether it's in Japan or in your native country or where you currently are? I did not, but I did do have a lot of people. I know a lot of people who had. Do you have one that you could share? Uh, if not, it's no problem at all. I don't know details, obviously, because people don't really like to talk about their paranormal experiences in Japan, but uh, I can give you a few short ones. I would uh, so love that. The first one was uh, just a taxi driver whom I uh, spoke to, and uh, the taxi driver, uh, it was in Kyoto, we were riding somewhere from the north. It was at night, so obviously perfect time for spooky stories, and mm-hmm. the Taxi driver said that it was his one of his first times to actually get to the north of the city because he moved to Kyoto not that long ago and he was just learning it, learning the streets and everything. And we started talking, so he told me why he moved to Kyoto. Apparently, he was having for years and years exactly the same dream when he is a samurai and he's walking down the street and then he feels pain he understand that he was hit by the sword from, from behind. He turns and he sees some figure, but he cannot understand who it is. Oh my gosh. And because of that, he started to check his family f- history or something like going to mediums. And he understood that in one of his previous lives, he was a samurai who was indeed killed in, by one of his one by somebody he knew hmm. and it happened in Kyoto. So he came to Kyoto to find uh, what actually happened to his previous self. Oh, that is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I never even would have thought about that. And he said that his dreams are getting more vivid. So he kind of starts to see the, the face a little bit better. And he hopes at some point he will be able to solve this mystery. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I have never heard something even remotely akin to that before. It's it's actually really interesting because I, I I love yokai, but whatever more than yokai when it comes to ghosts to something like more human like I, I really I'm really scared of it. <laughs> so <laughs> happily I never encountered something. <laughs> but I, go ahead. You know, please. Japan being the most it, the country that is inhabited by most ghosts and paranormal creatures in the world, like yep. it's official. I ended up not indirectly learning and meeting so many of these creatures. Uh, actually, like when it happens to Japanese people, it's kind of one thing because you don't ask in Japan, do you believe in ghosts? You ask, exactly. do you see them? But it actually even happens to foreigners. Like uh, I had one customer who during the the tour, uh, she was talking to one of her dead relatives and she only after when only when she woke up the next morning, she understood that she was talking. She was having like a full night conversation in her dream with one of her dead relatives and it never happened to her before. And it was, she said it was so real that she could touch the person and like talk and it was like they were alive and nothing happened. Wow. Yeah, dreams 
have such an amazing kind of power uh i I mean that even with all of my studies before i ever stepped foot in japan i never understood that um that is fascinating yeah dreams are really 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 weird i don't understand them but uh actually what i find (laughs) dreams are still i find that they're still safe territory like a safer one because you still can wake up true what happened to my friend in japan like this you couldn't wake up from uh she's from yamanashi prefecture so very close to fuji mount Mm -hmm. fuji and to aokigahara forest oh my gosh okay and uh once they went on a camping trip with a family and uh when they were driving they had cars going the opposite direction constantly honking at them Mm -hmm. they couldn't understand why the, the car is small. They were driving in their own lane and everything. And then one of the drivers screamed at them. And you, you know how rare it is for Japanese people to scream at someone. They Oh, yeah. It never happens. It just never happens. And I mean, in, in fact, my entire time in Japan, I don't think I ever heard someone honk a horn. It rarely happens. It happens more in Kansai, but uh, mm. it, around Tokyo, like in this area, it just doesn't happen. The honking doesn't exist. And this one person who was screaming at them, he was like, what are you doing, you crazy people? You have a person on the roof. Oh, my gosh. So they have to stop the car and they look, there is nobody on the roof. So all these people honking at them, apparently they were all honking for the same reason. Oh, my God. That I just got chills down my spine. That is crazy. Oh, okay. That that is something that is not easily explained, especially to have such intense reactions from people driving the opposite way from you. Wow. Have you ever been to uh, the Jukan to Okikahara? Well, I was told this <laughs> this story. Shortly before we went uh, close to Okigahara, I didn't go to the forest itself. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, sightseeing around Fuji, you at some point pass near it. Right. <laughs> awesome. So um, uh, what really kind of drew you into, into yokai, especially kind of doing a deep dive for an episode? As a person who is really scared of everything paranormal, mm-hmm. I just want to know the enemy. Let's put it this way. That makes total sense. Like I'm at the same time, I'm super scared of bugs, so I know about them. <laughs> um, so if someone has never even heard of the word yokai before, uh, what what kind of your what's your standard definition for that? I think yokai is such a broad term that it does not have a definition, like Steve definition for me. Mm-hmm. In English, they often call it monsters or super paranormal beings. But yokai, in the end, it can be something. It can be an object. It can be an event. It can be something completely amorphous. And also by calling yokai monsters in English, I think. Uh, 
by speaking about monsters, we imagine that something scary and something big. Mm-hmm. And learning about yokai, what's made me feel comfortable around them is that yokai are not always bad. True, very true. So in the end, word monster doesn't really work. And uh, that makes me completely clueless about how should I call them except for yokai. Excellent point. Uh, do you, I know that some people have made a distinction between ancient and modern yokai, say like Tengu or Kuchisaka Ona, the slit mouth woman. Uh, do you maintain such a distinction or do you kind of just still group them all as one, as one thing? I think they're still the same. Okay. It's more because in Japan, monsters like yokai, they are still here. In the end, again, thinking about monsters, we think about ancient creatures. We don't think about nowadays monsters, except maybe Bigfoot, but it's still pretty old thing. True. And okay. with yokai, they can just be born every new, every now and then. Like Kuchisaki Onna is from 1970s, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. You have more recent yokai. You have yokai born in 2000s. People can create yokai. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so I know that certain manga authors have created, like, you know, 31 just in and of themselves, and that's just one for, for one particular series. So, Yeah, and it's been happening actually not even nowadays. Like, now you have Pokemon. They are also kind of yokai. A lot of them are based on old yokai. At the same time, you have Mizuki Shigeru, who... For his manga, he is very famous in Japan. Uh, he uses old yokai, but he creates new one. But he is not the first one to do that. People in Edo period, like in 17th century, people were doing the same. They were creating yokai. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just, gosh, creating different kirans based upon, you know, various tales or, you know, actually mismatching, you know, current day mysteries with, uh, you know, various other uh, salacious stories going on at the time. I mean, yeah, that's how a lot of Yudei stories got created. So that makes total sense. Uh, do you have a favorite yokai? I have. I have a favorite yokai and it's very pandemic time themed one. My favorite yokai is Korori. Have you heard heard about it? No, I haven't. Uh, Korori is a Japanese name for cholera. Because in Japanese, cholera, when it came to Japan, it came pretty late. So it was because Japan was living pretty isolated for most of its history. Mm -hmm. And the first time encountered cholera in uh, 19th century only oh um cholera cholera yes okay okay sorry oh, sorry. sorry go <laughs> ahead go cholera. ahead yeah they only counted it in 19th century and big thing about it is people died very fast so because they didn't have mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The name, they were talking about the people die Kororito very fast. Mm. And that's how became the name of cholera, Korori. Then obviously because it was a known disease, they, that's what a lot of yokai were born to uh, for to help people fight with their fears, to show them that this is something responsible for the scary stuff. And so to represent something responsible for this huge epidemic, they invented Kurori. And uh, it was a very nice chimera. Japanese people, I think, really like chimeras. They had Nue before. They have Kirin and Baku and uh, all these weird creatures. Yep. So it looks partly like tiger, partly like wolf, partly like tanuki. And it was just such a big hit. And also, it also, while like Korori, I think, is it shows relationship of Japanese people with their yokai very well. Because you have, if you travel around Japan, you will see that temples, for example, they have the tiles shaped as demon heads called Onigawara. Mm-hmm. If you stroll around uh, Kyoto historical quarters or even some small cities, you will see the tiny figures of Shoki. It's a deity who fights demons. And in the end, it's a notion that if you have your own demon, it kind of protects you from uh, as demons coming to you. So they started drawing Korori and spreading the notes about it. And you can just paste the painting of Korori on your house and hope it won't come to you. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. So it means yokai can harm you, but it can protect you. Yeah, that's the... I forget the exact name now that we're talking. But, man, I know that there's a friendly house spirit that... Uh, you know, a lot of people hope to have in their house, which is supposed to bring good fortune and luck. Yes, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I have to say my favorite yokai of all time, though, has to be um, Kamikaze Obake. Uh, the umbrella, one-legged umbrella with the one yes, eye. It's so cute. Very long tongue. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. And when it when it runs together with Bakezori, it's 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 great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. When it teams up with the paper lanterns and all the other, uh, what's the term? Um, suki. Tsukumogami. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. The household objects. That's super cute. Yeah. It's it's amazing this idea that, uh, you know, the older an object is the more likely it is to be infused with life energy and can actually become animated. I mean, there's an entire anime about it, which is actually pretty decent, but yeah, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I love it. 
And it's also actually Tsukumogami, I think we need to remember about them more in 21st century because they teach you how to treat your items properly. Instead of over-consuming, throwing stuff and buying everything new, you just should care about your items. Otherwise, when they become old, they will remember that you threw them away and they will come fight you. Absolutely. (laughs) Which is a lesson we all should be able to learn, especially here in the U.S., which... um, yeah, less said about that, it's probably the better. But <laughs> well, this has been absolutely wonderful and fascinating. I, I really hope that we can uh, have you on again because uh, th- this I have learned a great deal, and it's just been absolutely wonderful getting to meet you. Thank you. I- I- I'd be happy to come back. There are so many things to talk about when it comes to monsters in Japan. There are ghosts, yokai, there are vengeful spirits. Yeah, and honestly, I've been moved because of them. (laughs) You've got that right. No, honestly, I would, (coughs) excuse me, I would love just to be able to pick your brain about your experiences living there and how you found it and um, how you got acclimated to it. So, yeah, please come on again and uh, we'll have a, a longer discussion about anything and everything that you want to talk about absolutely fantastic so before we go can you just give a plug one more time for where uh where people can find your uh, content at sure uh you can find my podcast called japan explained anywhere you listen to your podcasts or all the links are organized at japanexplained.com excellent thank you so much again toki it was fantastic getting to talk to you Thank you. I love talking to you. It was so much fun. I... <laughs> Thank you for listening to Southern Demonology. Find us online at southerndemonology.com where you can find all of our social and podcasting links. Also, if you have a moment, please feel free to rate this podcast and leave any encouraging feedbacks that you may have as always i am jj and it has been a pleasure getting to talk to you today deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.